0: How many enjoyed being in God's presence and praise and worship and prayer this morning? Uh, I just, I enjoy it. I guess that's the best way to put it. It's uh, it's good stuff. And uh, I want to continue, actually, our worship with God today. And I want to take up the tithes and the offerings. And uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. And it, and it says in God's word, it said, bring the tithes into the storehouse this day. So I just want to pray over the tithes and the offerings and the almsgiving and um, Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, that this is a generous house. And I thank you, Lord, that in this house, Father God, that you are raising up, Lord, even great givers, Lord, to be able to bring the gospel message, Lord, out into those around us and into the uttermost parts of the earth. I thank you, Lord, that the seed that is being sown today will fulfill the great commission in the name of Jesus. Father, bless those who are giving. Bless the offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you are looking to throw into inspiration nine today, there's a you can trans you know do e transfers. information's on the screen. You can put information into the uh, the Dropbox in the back, or, as well as you can mail that in if you are online as well. Uh, so there are a few different ways, but but we just believe that God is doing uh, a great thing uh, here within uh, Inspiration 9, and we just enjoy actually giving. We uh, It's just something that uh, we talk about all the time is just, you know, how much money uh, can we give out even into local charities and, and into international things, and it's just, it makes us excited. It's a good thing. And so... I have one announcement today, I believe. I think that's all that I have is one announcement. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you enjoy your time of worship, you enjoy your time of prayer, you enjoy discipleship, I just want to encourage you guys, get involved with in the Lighthouse. We're going to be praying tomorrow night. We pray every Monday night online, 6.30 to 7.30. It's on Facebook and YouTube. And, uh, and it's just a great time of, of edification. It's times that sometimes we do warfare. Uh, last week we prayed on healing. And uh, these are just things that I believe are gonna continue to develop. It says, in the last days, what? It says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I believe that in order for a house to be a house of prayer, you gotta pray. And so I believe that this is something that is just fundamental to the basic core of who we are as Christians. And I want you guys to be aware too that don't forget Lighthouse is not just about prayer, it's also about discipleship, it's also about fellowship. So those are things that you're looking to learn about the word of God, you're there to grow and you're looking for relationships. These are also the places you wanna, you wanna be. So come see us afterwards, we can always talk about that. It's gonna be a, a great time to be uh, living in and we're excited about what God is doing, amen? Amen, are you ready? Yeah. I'm ready. All right. Well, I want to start. Uh, you know, when I... I had... I had how many have I ever... Had a job before? I had a job before. And, uh, and um, one of the things that I was working for, I was working for a security company, and they used to be very um, much on, you know, making sure that we were, you know, educated on all kinds of different various topics. And, uh, you know, sometimes you were like, why are we getting information on this? But, um, but, but a lot of stuff was really, you know, neat and cool. Um, and, and I remember there was a, an article that stood out to me one day uh, that they gave us, and it was something called the uh, Rothenthal Effect, Rosenthal effect or uh, the uh, Pygmalion effect and they call it Pygmalion because this was actually uh, something that was based on uh, you know Greek mythology and there was a story in Greek mythology and there's an individual called Pygmalion and he was a sculptor and he actually uh, made this sculpture of a woman that was so beautiful that he fell in love with it and he loved it so much that it actually came to life how many would love it if they just sculpted, it you know this perfect (laughs) person and they came to life right No, Uh, but but anyways that's the story of it and so this Rosenthal effect is the same principle um, that that took place and and there was these two two basically scientists or psychologists and they were doing these studies and they had a hypothesis okay and the hypothesis was basically built on expectations all right and the expectations is is that high expectations would lead to better performance and low expectations would essentially lead to worse performance. And essentially, it was what, what they would call would be creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so really what they did here is, is that they, they actually went into classrooms. And as they went into classrooms with uh, uh, teachers, they would actually uh, take the teachers and they would lead them to expect that these you know, were, were high-performing you know, children. And then you know, what would happen? the children would end up being high-performing children. And then they would take uh, teachers and then they would lead them to believe that the children were low-performing students. And you know what happened? The children were low-performing students. And really what, this hap- what, what went on with these circumstances is, is that this is what they call the Rosenthal effect or this Pygmalion effect, which is basically that where our expectations are, okay, is really going to produce certain types of results, right? So the, the positive element of this, the, the, the faith-based element of this, and, and it really, uh, I, the, they argue that this, this part, and this is what I wanna make sure I get clear, that biased expectancies could affect reality as well. So what was happening in that is, is that it would get inside the teacher, but it would also be reflected within the students. And as a combination of those two psychological things that were taking place, it actually formed reality. And as he said, self-fulfilling prophecies were the expectations, right, produced the results that they were already expecting.
1: Why are and we saying this? Why no, are we kidding. saying this? <laughs> Okay, so we want to get started, and I actually, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, he's talking about self-fulfilling prophecies. There is a, an account in the book of Mark, the paralytic, and, uh, and I love this story. I'm going to take you to Mark 2. Uh, it's verse one to, verses 1 to 12, but I'm not going to read all of it, but I do want to read the first verse, and it says, and again, he, meaning Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. How many of you have heard that Jesus is in the house today? Yeah. <laughs> I love that Jesus is in the house and, uh, and I am ready for him to move. But anyways, we're gonna jump down to verse five. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, so basically what happened is there was um, this, this man who was paralyzed and he, could not, um, he he couldn't get off his bed. And so in the building Je- where Jesus was, people heard that he was in the house and they began to flock to where he was. So much so that it was packed in there that the doors weren't even, like people couldn't even get into the doors because there was just so many people. And so this man, he knew that he knew that he knew that he needed healing and that he wanted healing and he was gonna get it if he could just see Jesus. And so what they did was they ended up taking the roof off and they lowered him in. And so in verse 5, this is Jesus. Um, when Jesus saw their faith, them lo- lowering him down, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and they reasoned in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Why can he forgive? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? What is easier to say to the paralytic, your your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And I love in verse, is it verse five? When Jesus says to him, son, imagine in that moment what that man felt like when Jesus, the man who you know, he's just trying to reach because he knows that he has healing, he doesn't, he doesn't know him as a father. He only knows him as somebody who's coming through and he's healing and he comes and Jesus says to him, son, your sins are forgiven you. And imagine that feeling of belonging and that feeling that just hit right in the hearts. And see, this is something that only Jesus could have done. Only Jesus has the power to make them the sons of God. Right, And that's what he did for us. And we can see this. I love, um, I'm gonna go John 1, 11 to 12. It says, he came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. That's you and me even those that believe on his name. And then I love in 1 Peter 2, 9, this scripture actually reminds me a lot of Larry Forsyth, but it says, but you are a chosen generation. Do you know that each and every one of you are a chosen generation? A chosen generation meaning in this moment you were created for this time. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light and see as believers when we came into the family of God we became his sons well guess what that means that we belong in the royal family and you know what that makes you royalty that makes you royalty and as believers we are in his family we are royalty and when Jesus called him son that's what he's saying you are royalty because you belong to me. He's not saying, you know, stepson. He's not saying, you know, kid down the street. He's not saying man I've never met before or somebody that I heard of. He says son, which is an intimate expression of his belonging to God in the family, in the royal family. But then Jesus continues with your sins are forgiven you.
0: That's a power. this is a powerful story that takes place within the word of God. And one of the things that I want to bring out in this particular uh, story is, is that in this day and age, back in that culture, whenever there were different types of lameness or blindness or things that were going on with individuals, there was always an association with it of sin. Uh, You know, there was always a blame, like whose fault, you know, you've seen others, you know, whose fault was this? Was it this man's or was it his parents? you know, fault, right? That this man was born blind or this man was lame. And so there was this whole process that was always a stigma that was attached to all of these different, you know, conditions that were of that day. And so the crowd, it says, you know, it says they were upset with Jesus because he offered the forgiveness of his sins. But here's the thing that about it, it says, is I don't, it wasn't just that they were upset that he could forgive the sins, but they were upset with the contradiction that the forgiveness of the sins came with the judgments that they had on that individual, okay? So they believed that that man was in that state because of sin that was in his life. That man had been hearing that year after year, day after day, month after month. It's been going on and on, and over time, it's something that it almost looks like that man, he believed it himself that this was what's happening. And see, God, he, he, he looked at the man right, and he digs deeper, okay? He didn't just take a look at this individual that others thought was just a worthless soul. He looked at the, the man's self-esteem and he digs deeper into it. And what does he do? He, he goes on and he heals, right, and, and tells that man, first of all, his sins are forgiven before he heals the man. And why is this so important? Because if he would have just healed the man, he still would have walked away in a state of feeling inferior within his life. But when Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven, all of a sudden he heals the spirit of the man. He heals the soul of the man. And the power of God comes in and it transforms him into a new identity. And now when he receives the healing virtue of God Almighty for the lameness that was upon him, he's able to walk out now in an empowered state. And many of us kind of go through life. How many have gone through that life of, of you know, where you, don't, you just don't feel worthy, right? You're just like, oh, I have this sin, or this is a result of this circumstance, or this is a result of this. And you carry and you walk around with the shame on the inside that God wants to see you set free from. And as he healed that paralytic man, he's saying that to you this day. You don't need to be in that particular situation. He, need, he wants you to know that he's transformed you he's brought you into his glorious light as they had put it um there's a lot of different things and it said that curses even that people have spoken over individuals lives the shame that they have put they are broken as part of what christ did for us at calvary he is he broke those things off of our lives we are not worthless individuals i want you guys to understand that You are not a worthless individual. You do not have to earn your salvation. It was a free gift from God that brought you into the royal family, and as a result, you are now royalty. And we need to understand that we are royalty. And not only do we need to understand what we are as royals, but we also need to understand the authority and the responsibility that is entrusted to us as being part of the royal family of God. See, royalty's been around since the beginning of days, Okay, there was, you know, royalty was always something that really just started, you know, it wasn't just something that popped up, you know, the last few weeks. It's been around since ancient days. And in this process, there was even always a, uh, there was expectations that were on the royals. There were things that they need to accept, right, uh, in, in the role of being in that royal family or a king, a queen, etc And so they had to, not only, uh, they had to observe the laws and the decrees, they had to represent, there was things that they had to do right in that particular position they had to defend the nation they had to go for war if necessary and they had to rule the people with justice and righteousness and being in the family of god you know what it's no different we need to be in the same place where we are ruling and we are ru- and and we are proclaiming and doing things with justice and with truth and we are walking forth in the royal family with the same expectations that God has you know there was a you know i think they mentioned earlier you know there was a, you know even recently there has been a new monarch or a new a new king who has been appointed and in those particular circumstances one of the things that takes place is a coronation chron- uh, right and with the coronation, there's actually even a charge that is given, which has been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. And a lot of times, in the, in, in these charges, they make a declaration and they make a pledge essentially um, to do certain things. So even within, like for instance, the the the, the England's pledge, they do certain things that talk about they, that they're going to govern, they're going to cause law, justice, and mercy within their judgments. They're going to maintain God's law and the gospel. These are all parts of the responsibilities of being a royal and the expectations that we have that we accept when we become sons and daughters of God into the royal family.
1: That's right, so there's that correlation that we can see in the spiritual realm as well, is that as we are part of God's royal family, there are actual, uh, there's authority and responsibilities that we have as being members of the royal family. And we can see in, um, the first one is representation and vision. In John 13:34 to 35, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. That's There is so much in that, that part alone, as I have loved you. Do you know, Jesus loved us at our worst. Jesus loved us when we didn't even know or care about him, right? And so it says, it, he goes on, it says, by this, uh, as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think really it comes down to the question is are we aware of how our behavior is representing the royal family? Are we aware of how we're causing people to view God like, in, in the manner that w- people view God, right? S- some people will only see you as their first impression of who God is. Or what God has for them. And so what are we what are we portraying to people that the kingdom of God is like? What are we portraying to people that Christians are like? You know, are we walking around and acting like just everybody else in the world? Or are we doing things that God has called us to do? And just as it says here in John, that you love one another as I have loved you, love one another. Like he says it, he says it, and he says, as I have, and then he says it again. Love one another. Love one another. Love, I
0: think, is Sorry. Turn my I mic back on, there we go. Uh, love is really important to this. And I want to bring up point number two that we want to bring out is, is that as royals, there's, there's three parts to this part, which is unity, leadership, and servanthood. These are all connected together in point number two. And I want to read out of Matthew uh, chapter five, verse uh, 43 to 47. And it says, you have heard, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Everything here starts with the love of God. But here's the key. We talked about the identity of that man as in, if his identity was founded where it needed to be founded in God Almighty. He needed to know that he was a son and a daughter of god he wasn't just some outcast lame man on the side of the street with no value and no worth he was a son of almighty god and as a result of that he felt loved he can feel secure his strength wasn't just dependent upon himself at this point it was dependent upon god and being a part of the royal family, and see, when we have the love of God and our security is in God and not in others and other relationships, there's a different level of comfort, there's a different level of servanthood and servant leadership that we can possess when we do such. Christ came as a leader, but he also came as a servant. Okay, and so what I wanna put on here is, is that when, when you take a look at at royals okay they're called to serve and they're called to serve even the people okay in in the gospel of john i believe it's john he or sorry mark 9 he says and jesus sat down and said he called the 12 and he said to them if anyone desires to be first he shall be last of all and servant of all this here is what they're doing they you go out you're a servant in the community and you're not worried about what you're going to get back in return
1: i think that's a good key yeah. just just having that expectation a lot of times we do things where we expect that something mm-hmm. is going to be returned to us, even the good things that we do you know, sometimes it's just like in the back of our minds sometimes, or sometimes it's subconscious that we don't even realize that that's what we have an expectation of, but when we begin to just sit, stop, and ask ourselves, what, where is our motive for what we are doing and serving um, but I love the way that this is depicted in uh, the story of Hezekiah earlier this year we preached on Hezekiah, King Hezekiah and how he Um, You know, his father was not a good king. And so um, he was, when he became king, it says that he did things after his father, David. So it skipped the father that was evil and it went back to his roots of where that good came from, but he served the people. But I love this. In Second Chronicles 29, uh, 1 to 4, uh, it says, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. I really feel like that's a, a word for somebody here today, doing right in the sight of the Lord. It's not right in the sight of man. It's not right in the sight of me. It is right in the sight of the Lord. And I feel that um, that's an answer to somebody's prayer today is that you've been praying, what what am I supposed to do? And God is saying, do right in the sight of the Lord today. But let's move on. It says, um, in the first year of his reign, verse three, it says, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites, gathered them in the East Square, and he said to them, hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourself, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. And then if we jump down to verse 15, it says, and they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. You see, royalty was meant to be very um, specific in their leading. They were meant to lead the people in the ways of God and not just to be an icon and not just to be a vision of um, you know things that people can look upon. Royalty was meant to serve the people. And to bring them to closer to god and to um just really instill the ways of god inside the hearts of the people and that's really what you see as 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 royal priests here in the kingdom of god that's what our uh, responsibility is here too is that we are meant to lead people to god we are meant to lead them in the way that they should go to do what is right and good in the sight of the lord
0: amen and point number three that we want to talk about within the royal uh, responsibilities is, is that of authority and decrees. I want to talk for a moment, even in, in Daniel 9. There's a passage of scripture here where there is uh, King, uh, Daniel. Right? You guys are familiar with Daniel, and this is a, the story about Daniel in the lion's den. But prior to Daniel going into the lion's den, it says that you know that there was that, that other rulers within the nation were having issues with Daniel. Okay, because of the favor of God that was upon his life, but they could find no fault in him except for in his, except for through his God and the worship of his God. How many would just love the fact that others just couldn't find any fault in you except for in your worship of God? That's the state that Daniel was in, and so what ends up happening is that these men, you know, what they did, they conspired together and they brought a a, a circumstance. They wanted to. Bring and and they really operated and i think this is really key here is they operated in deception and they brought something to the king that day and they deceived the king into making a royal decree now when he makes this royal decree it says in in verse 8 it says now o king establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the medes and the persians which does not alter and then it says, and therefore King Darius signed the written decree. See, a written decree or is essentially, or a royal decree, is really that of an order that is given by royalty, often by a king or a queen, or someone who is that delegated authority. So for instance, uh, you know, um, in the book of Exodus, right, you have the story of, um, sorry, Joseph, right sorry prior to exodus in Genesis the story of Joseph he actually was not the king or the queen but he was delegated the responsibility to be able to make royal decrees and decisions that were part of that kingdom process and so this is here really what is happening is is that these these are words that go forth Okay, and then they're recorded, you know, the king says, hey, in this particular case was that, you know, no other guy can be worshipped except for, you know, praying petitions only to the king alone. And so that word goes forth, it then gets documented and written into a decree, okay, that goes forth. And when that goes forth, it goes forth essentially as law. Now, are are when we the same thing and this talks about the power of our own words and this is something that they understood back in those days that when they spoke when the king said something when he decreed something it wasn't like it they said it wasn't just easily altered it was something that went forth and produced after what it actually um what they said it was going to do And so this is the circumstances that they had found them in. And see, I want to pick this up. See, we as children of God operate with this. We operate with authority within the kingdom. And those royal decrees go forth because God has entrusted authority to us. It says here in the Gospel of Luke, it says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing shall injure you. That word authority actually comes from the word exousia, which is talking about powerful, it's talking about might, it's talking about strength, it's talking about liberty, it's talking about, you know, all these different things of influence and justice. And this is what God's authority is that he he gives to you as a member of the royal family.
1: right? We really have the power of our tongue to be able to issue these decrees, right? Um, And uh, so this is actually where we're going to spend the rest of our message on uh, just the power of our words, and really the words of the royal. I like this. You know, because as royalty, we need to be very mindful about the things that we are saying. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There's so much in this scripture, and I really want to kind of just break it down just real quick. Death. Okay, death and life, those are the two things that we have in the power of the tongue. Death, actually, it comes from the word meaning to die, and it, and it means death, and it can be natural or violent, okay? So, so, you know, when you're thinking about the words that you're speaking, you know, we might be speaking natural things. We might be speaking facts and factual things and things that are actually happening, but are they death? Or are they life? And so the word life actually means, it comes from the word meaning to live or to revive, means alive, fresh, and strong. And I like that it comes from the word meaning to revive because it means that even if you've spoken words of death in your life, that there's still an opportunity that we can revive the things in our life, that we don't have to eat all of that death that we've been speaking in our life. And so when it talks about the power, it actually is referring to the open hand, which refers to, Uh, power and direction and that type of thing. So when we are speaking, the words that we are speaking, we are causing the direction that is happening within our life. And it says, it doesn't even stop there, death and life are in the power of the tongue, but it says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so when we are eating fruit, you know, when when we think about this, we think about a tree, right? When we see fruit on a tree, what is happening, it's just the byproduct of what is happening on the inside of the tree. And so the fruit that comes out is the byproduct of what is happening on the inside of you this day and i'm going to keep going on here (laughs) so the question is (laughs) still my part still my part um the question is is what happens when you actually get into um trials and situations where you know you're really encountering everyday life and reality, because I don't know about you, but I live in reality here, and not every day um, I encounter is a good day. Good I, I, am I alone in this? Do you guys feel that? Have you, has anybody ever had a bad day before? <laughs> I feel like we've all had bad days before but so how are we supposed to respond in those types of situations you know the small things but also the big things we can look in James 1:19 it says so then my beloved brothers let every man be swift to hear Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is an amazing scripture here, because so many times, you know, we just want to instantly respond to things. And there are times where, you know, like when you're talking to somebody, and they're, they're talking, and you're formulating in your head what you're gonna say back to them. Have you guys ever felt like that before? And this is saying, don't do that. Be quick to listen. Listen to people. Don't, don't just respond with what immediately comes. Really take a moment to step back, because in that moment that you step back, that allows the Holy Spirit to speak to your spirit and say, this is what you need to say. This is how you need to respond, because not all the time. Sometimes you're gonna need to confront things, and sometimes you're just gonna need to zip that mouth. You know, some things are just better left unsaid.
0: You know, it's like, it's like when you're, you're, you're in the kitchen with your family. And you know somebody does something, and the first thing that pops into your mind comes out of your mouth, right? And now all of a sudden you got this like whole bickering process that's going on. How, how many have ever seen bickering going on? You know, within their within their household. I feel household like you're saying that kitchen.
1: from something that happened, but I can't think of anything that happened. Uh, I could probably we
0: can bring up <laughs> way too many examples on bickering, but, but the reality is, right, is is that you know, it, as as she's saying in here, it's it's talking about the tongue is meant to be controlled and bridled.
1: That's right. And we can see that actually in James 1:26 and 27. 26 says, "If any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless." Like this is a big deal, because you know we're going out into the world, and we are bringing Jesus to those around us, and if we are not bridling our tongue, then what is happening? What we are doing, this, the life that we say we are living is useless. But it goes on in verse 27. It says, "Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world." When it's talking about unspotted, it is meaning, uh, you know, something stained or soiled. And actually, yesterday, where I was, you know, I said, oh, "I'm going to share a story about, you know, when I spilt something on my shirt," and then he starts to go on. He's like, "Oh, you know, this one time," and I don't know if you want to share the story or not, but
0: this one time, I bought a T-shirt. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I remember back in the day, T-shirts, you know, were, you know, this is going back 25 years ago. I was like in high school, and, and they, were, they were expensive T-shirts that I had bought that day. And I remember, the very. and I was so proud of it, and I was like, heading out to youth group, and I decided that I was going to put cologne on. And so I, uh, you know, so I went and I sprayed, sprayed the cologne, but I held, I held the bottle too close to the shirt, and I stained my shirt with a cologne. And I was like, are you kidding me? I, I, I mean, I haven't had the shirt for, for five minutes yet, and I, I stained it. And uh, long story short, what it made it even funnier was is that, so I knew that I stained it, and then I decided it was kind of a white shirt, so I figured, oh, maybe I could kind of bleach, bleach it out. And uh, I didn't really realize how to work with bleach back then very effectively. So I think, you know, I'm oh, like pouring know. bleach on it. <laughs> and, uh, and then in a the result, I ended up getting the stain out, but I ended up leaving a big hole in the shirt, in the T-shirt. <laughs> So I ended up losing the t-shirt altogether and, and it was just, this is what happens sometimes with stains, you know? <laughs> with stains,
1: but even in, you know, situations that we encounter, have you guys ever been through a situation where, you know, something like that happens and, you know, you accidentally respond out of just like, you know, um, rashness and you just, you know, something, yeah, your flesh just just comes out and then you realize, oh wait and now, now I made a mess of things, and now things are escalating, and you're trying to think, how can I make things better? And so you think, I know, I'll get the bleach out, and I will bleach this out, and what you end up doing is leaving a hole in the relationship, and so I don't know, maybe that's a word for somebody today, but yeah, yeah. Pa- don't, don't bleach not be Pastor Sherry doesn't really like
0: it when I try to bleach out you know, the conversation with you know, some sort of scripture verse in the middle of an argument, <laughs> and, you know, and uh, Listen, so. Listen, <laughs> one, time,
1: one time we were arguing, because yes, we do argue. One time we were arguing, and um, Back when we first got married, okay, our arguing styles were very different. Maybe I've shared this story before, I don't know. But I was one of those people where like, you just yell and scream and then, you know, after five minutes, you're like, sorry. And you, you know, kiss and make up and you're fine. And he came from the fighting style of, I will fight to the death. <laughs> so I remember... Go for the jugular. Yeah, yeah. So it was like over simple, silly little things, you know, that you... I mean, because if you're married, you know, you, you don't usually argue over major things. You argue over small things. And uh, so many times, you know, we were, we we're arguing this one time. We're arguing, and, uh, and then I, you know, ended up coming back at him. And he's like, Wow that was really good. You did a great job there. That's like, you're making improvements. And I was like, don't do that to me. I'm mad. Like, don't patronize me. I was like, oh, you're coming along
0: really nice. That's like pouring like... bleach on things and causing a to hold it. It was but How do we, how do we control our tongues? Okay. You know, when, when Christ, when Christ was here, he, he leaves us in John. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. This. He says, I will come to you. And he gives other instructions for the apostles you know, to wait in Jerusalem for the arrival of a comforter, which was the Holy Spirit. And really what we know about this is, is that the Holy Spirit came right to so that we don't have to depend upon our own life's strength we can depend on the strength of god you know this is probably one of the the conversations that, that i have uh I, I, probably one of the top 10 conversations with con- with the congregation is people relying upon their own strength versus god's strength and see especially when when we're strong people we find it even harder to be able to do such but i believe that this is something that god is is critical and at the core of who we are is to depend on god okay this is something that is, is what this is saying. is so God gave us the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came, it actually, he brought with us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And with that came the dunamis power of God to be able to empower you and enable you to be able to do warfare and walk out in your Christian journey. So I just want to encourage you guys, by the way, if you have not been baptized with the gift of the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I just encourage you, even afterwards, come see us. We will pray for you, we will lay our hands on you this day, because the power of God that comes, that dunamis power to be able to help you walk out your life in victory, comes through the holy spirit and the baptism of the holy spirit so one of the things that takes place is, is that with this it, it it takes the shift and a focus off of us being inwardly focused and it becomes outwardly focused so when she talked about true religion is you know is serving and taking care of the orphans and the widows and so forth it's really hard to have that focus when you're always thinking about you Okay? But when our focus is on others because we are filled with the love of God on the inside and we know where our identity is, okay? This is something that is part of what it is to I said to be a royal. It's about representing God properly, not only within the community but also within your household. It's about being servants and servant leaders to the people, but also to those who are around you. See, God gives us that power on the inside to really be able to help us transition and to be able to make it from the selfishness of the inward way, man that our flesh wants to do to the outward stuff. And this is when we spend time with God, it produces fruit in our lives.
1: That's right, and so the fruit that he's talking about, you guys probably know what it is, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's found in Galatians 5. Before we actually get to what the fruit of the Spirit is, I'm gonna start uh, Galatians 5, verse 13. It says, For you brothers have been called to liberty only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another Mm -hmm. for all the laws fulfilled in one word even in this that you shall love your neighbor as yourself there's that whole thing again love one another says but if you bite and devour one another beware lest you be consumed by one another you see we've all been called to freedom how many of you guys live in freedom, want to live in freedom, and expect to live in freedom? Yeah. I'm, I'm right there. I want to. That freedom doesn't look like doing whatever you want to do whenever you want to do that. That freedom actually um, is, is, is living out life with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to lead you and guide you. So I want to continue on here. It says, um, we'll see the contrasted effects of the way that we live. Galatians 5 uh, verse 16 says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Okay, so it tells us straightforward right in the beginning. Listen, walk in the spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, walk with him. You're gonna see what the evidence is in just a minute and you'll see the contrast of what it is not. So what you should stay away from versus what uh, what you should live by. It says in verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. How many of you ever feel like you wish that you were doing something, but you end up doing something that you regret that you did? How many have ever had any regrets in their life ever? (laughs) It says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So they're evident, you're gonna see the evidence of people walking in the flesh, this is what they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I feel like this is a big deal. Like, let's really be mindful of this, but it doesn't stop there. Now it goes on to show us what the evidence of having the Holy Spirit lead your life looks like. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, in verse 22, is love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. Our lives need to be congruent. What is happening on the inside of us is going to be very evident in the things that come out of our life. And if we are not living in in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, then we are not going to be um, portraying this fruit that is coming out. What fruit is coming out of our lives? Are we displaying kindness? Are we bringing kindness to people? Are we bringing love and joy one another and i feel like joy is one of those big ones right now that god is calling us all back to this place of saying rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice because now is the time where we've had this moment of we've all kind of been going through a lot of things we we felt the depression we felt the heaviness and now god is saying you don't need to live in that heaviness you don't need to live in that depression i have called you to a place of joy and i have called you to live in a fullness of my joy and in my presence there is fullness of joy and this is what he is saying to you today is that if you need him if you need that joy all you need to do is get into his presence today
0: you know i had heard uh, a teaching once even on the fruits of the spirit which there's nine by the way just as an fyi and but they had talked about they had said that the fruits of the spirit are progressive in nature so they compound and they build upon one another. So the first fruit of the spirit is love. The second is joy. And, and then the third is peace. And, run, and basically the way that they were describing it was, it's hard to have joy if you don't first operate in love. It's true. And it's hard to have peace if you're not operating with joy. And so one of the th- questions that we need to really ask ourselves today, and I'm just tipping this on real quick on joy, is, is that if you've got no joy in your life, you really need to take a look at where your love walk is okay, because it builds upon one another, and that's how the fruits of the Spirit get, uh, come and get developed. The Word of God, Pastor Sherry made mention of it often, you know, to, uh, to a tree, okay, uh, that we, we even as humans are often are, are made analogies within, the God, within God's Word as trees, and then Luke 6, it talks about, "'For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, for every tree is known by its own fruit.'" For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. It'd kind of be nice if you could, but it doesn't work that way. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of, out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. And most of you all know this last part of the verse which says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That word abundance actually comes from a, from a word which is, uh, su- what is it? Superfluous. Is that somewhat correct? <laughs> I can't say, I, I'm really great with my pronunciation. I'm not pronunciation. Even gonna correct you, that it's was just good. just kind of I don't know. It just basically means the abundance or the leftovers or, or that which is above and beyond. See, what happens is, is that God is always concerned about a heart, okay? So the heart though, what is in the heart, whether it's good or evil, there's an overflow that takes place and that overflow that takes place comes up and out of our mouths. And so, whatever is coming out of your mouth is really what we need to be paying attention to, because that is what is being revealed of what is inside your heart. So, if you're speaking forth negativity, if you're speaking forth death, if you're speaking forth, you know, uh, bad things, right, and evil things over your circumstances, over your loved ones, over your, over your communities, over your nation, over your church, these are all things that are coming out of the overflow and the abundance of what is in your heart. And this is what God is concerned about. And this is an eye opening experience that people need to be aware of because we can talk about and it says that the heart is deceitful in all of its ways and so the heart can even deceive you but what we can pay attention to is what is coming out of our mouths
1: that's right and actually in ephesians 4 29 it says let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers and when it's talking about corrupt it's actually it's the word rotten So Mm -hmm. is there rottenness coming from our mouth? Are we allowing sewage to just flow out of of our mouth and and we're not catching it? And um, actually, Pastor Brian had a a cool, um, an interesting fact here. He says in the book of Numbers, uh, nine out of the 11 plagues that um, after the children of Israel had left Egypt, the plagues that happened to the Israelites that they faced were actually due to their tongues and their complaining. Mm And that's an interesting thing to just even think about. And so I think the question really starts it starts with uh, what is coming out of our mouth, but it really leads to the question of what is inside of our heart, and, um, and this is a time where I really believe that we need to be very mindful of the words that are coming out of our mouth, and we need to be very purposeful in the things that are coming out. Uh, the process that we should be living according to is Second Corinthians uh, 10, verse 4 to 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And this is that part where, um, you know, a lot of times we, uh, we, we don't think about the things that we are thinking about and we're not mindful of it. But we know that we don't live, uh, uh, the, the fight that we are fighting is not worldly. It is not earthly it is not we're not fighting against people we are fighting against the spiritual forces of darkness and so words alone are not going to do anything we need to have spiritual um uh, a spiritual fight going on here and we need to know that um the power of our words affects those kinds of things and the way that we take authority over that is by bringing every thought that comes into our mind into captivity you see the devil um he gets into your mind Do you know that the only place that he can affect you is in your mind? Because he tries to put a thought in. He cannot hear your thoughts. He cannot read your thoughts. But he reads how you act and what what he knows you love and where you're inclined to do. And so what he does is he puts a thought into your mind. And what you have the opportunity to do is to accept it or to hold it up to God's word and see if it needs to be rejected. See what happens is, is sometimes a thought will come in, and I'm guilty of this myself, but a thought will come in and then you don't really immediately think about it being negative. And then all of a sudden somebody will come up and it'll almost like confirm what that thought is that's in your head. And then it begins to, f- Um, form this uh, solidification in your mind that whatever that lie is that the enemy implanted into your mind is truth. And you forget that you are wearing the belt of truth. And what you need to do is go back to the word of God. See, the belt of truth, it has a place for the sword. It has a place for the word of God. The word of God is our sword and it is a double-edged sword. It is alive. It is powerful. It is able to cut through the marrow and the bone. It is able to discern the intents and the thoughts of our hearts, and so this is where we have an opportunity to be mindful about the things that are actually coming out of our mouth, but it starts with being mindful about the things that are coming into our mind, and um, I know we're running a little bit late, but I really feel that um, there's a season that's coming up, and I feel this is just a little bit more on the, on the prophetic side. Um, I, I was originally thinking about kind of uh, holding off on this until the new year, but I really feel like God is saying the time is now. And, um, and what I really feel is that we're coming into a season where there is going to be a reaping of the words that we have sown, good or bad. And so there's an opportunity right now, um, even, even in thoughts of, you know, maybe the words that have come out of your mouth have been things such as, um, I'm no good. You might hate me, but. Um, I have no money, just things like this or just little things like this. And when you see those things come to fruition, your first thought is, God, why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing this? And he is trying to get your attention and saying, I'm not allowing it. You're choosing it with your words and so I believe that this is a time where we need to really be mindful about the things that are coming out of our mouth and we need to get rid of all of that sewage we need to think about the things that are coming out because I believe that there is going to be there were um, believe that there is a time right now that we have an opportunity to repent of the words that we have sown in discord or the words that we have sown um, frivolously and then we can change our behavior like i said when it said death and life are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat uh will eat the fruit of it that is something that we have an opportunity right now we have an opportunity to refresh and to revive and uh, but i believe that if we don't take that opportunity now um, and i believe the time is now to take that opportunity i believe if we don't take that opportunity we will begin to see the fruit of all the words that we have sown and for some that might look really terrible but for others you're gonna start seeing the flourishing happening in your life and you're gonna start seeing all of the things that you've been confessing, everything that you have been been believing God for, everything that you have been pressing in for him, that he is going to now come through for you. And I am not calling this a time of judgment because I don't believe this is God's judgment, I just believe that it's a time of reaping what has been going on behind the scenes and what's been going on in our heart. So I want you guys all to stand with me right now and I'm just gonna, we're gonna pray for a minute and just, if, if you have, if God's just even pricked your heart right now and just um, revealed to you just uh, words that or phrases that either um, continually come up in your mind or have come up, then this is a time that we are going to uh, repent of that. And we're just going to take this moment right now and just uh, turn things around. So everything that we have spoken out, you know, um, with Daniel and the lion's den, when the decree went out afterwards, they were able to reverse things. Um, even with the children of, um, uh, it Esther, uh, when the decree went out that they were able to kill the Jews and then the decree went out that the Jews could retaliate if they were attacked. And so that thwarted the attack on them. And so I believe that there is, this, that's the season right now that we have that opportunity to thwart that attack that is, uh, that is on its way, that is coming.
0: Why don't we just pray, pray uh, just a prayer. So, uh, and this is just, um, Father God, I just pray, first and foremost, Lord, we repent, yes. Father, of the, of the frivolous words, Father, the, the, the words that we have spoken, Father, that have produced death in our lives and in our circumstances. And Father, we ask, the Lord, for your forgiveness this day, mm-hmm. and Father, we choose this day Father, to be able to make an about face and to change and to walk in a new direction Thanks. and to start producing life, Father, out of our mouth this day. And, Father, we speak life over our circumstances. We speak life over our finances. We speak life over our children. We speak life over our ministries. We speak life over our church. We speak life over our leaders this day. And Father God, I thank you that there is life that is being produced in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you will continue to bring these things to our remembrance in the days ahead. That Lord Jesus, that we can change, Father, from the inside out, Lord, change, Lord, and make a heart decision to be able to do that is right. Do that what is just, Lord, before you in the name of Jesus.
1: Father, I thank you that your word says that you have set before us death and life and that we can choose life. You've told Mm -hmm. us what to choose. And so, Father, today we choose life with uh, our, our inner man, but also with the reflection out in our everyday life, Father. I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. And I just pray even uh, as we are attempting to change some of that behavior, some of the words that uh, we've just been uh, used to saying, Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is gonna come in and uh, convict us, Father. Not not condemnation, not condemn us, but I thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the grace to be able Mm -hmm. to change that and to make that change this day so that we will begin to see that Flourishing happening in our life in the days to come, God. I thank you for your word today. Mm-hmm. May it be done according to your will. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Woo, yes. I uh, I just really I just I just really want to make that point one more time. I believe it's really important, especially the words that you are confessing over yourself. Okay, not just you know others, but also what you are confessing and believing and allowing within yourself. So I just want to bless you guys. I want you all to have a wonderful day and have a great week. If you would like the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you need additional prayer this morning, Pastor Sherry and myself are going to be up here for a moment. Come see us. We will pray for you, and we we believe for good things in your lives. So be dismissed and enjoy your day. Amen.
2: Welcome to the After Nine Show. I'm Pastor Brian.
3: And I'm Pastor Karen.
2: So what a, I mean, it's interesting because I'm watching people uh, throughout this as, as well as myself, and I just see people all getting something from this message today, and I think Absolutely. we all are going to have takeaways. I'm interested to hear uh, what you have. We have Pastor Marcia coming on in a moment as our special guest. I mean, I could take up the rest of the show just <laughs> with my notes alone, and I'm not going to do that. But um, you know, the, the, the very obvious thing for me was he, he talked about the definition of royalty, right? And you know, I looked it up just in the dictionary part of it, and then when I went into the concordance part, uh, and, and there's many definitions in the Hebrew and Greek, and I'm not going there, but the royal status of power, and he, then he, he took it into dunamis power. And uh, they just brought that out so well. They they just orchestrated that so well. And, you know, um, in, in Romans, Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. And they talked about the difference between the kingdom of God and royalty and, and the natural flesh or, you know, our reliance on our flesh to fight battles. So that was what really stuck out for me. But I, I'm interested to hear what you got to say, Pastor Karen.
3: Well, um... I was reminded of something that Neil T. Anderson said in one of his books. The bondage breaker. I can't mm-hmm. think of the of the name of the book Probably right now. Was bondage breaker, but he yeah. said he said um, something like this that no one can consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with the way he sees himself.
4: Mm, so, good. as we
3: see ourselves, that's how we are going to behave. So, being changed into the image of God and getting to know God and the nature of God and having the Holy Spirit change us, change the image, change how we see ourselves, then our behavior is going to change. So, I thought that was really powerful. Again, no one can consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with the way he sees himself.
2: So, what you're saying is, I can't behave like royalty if I think I'm junk. Or if I yeah. think I'm flawed, or yeah. there's defects in me, right? And how, I've got to see yeah. past my defects.
3: Because how we to who see something, how we see something, is gonna be how we say it,
2: right? Right? Yeah. If we see
3: the world as terrible and horrible and a bunch of junk, that's what we're gonna be saying and speaking well, I, out of our did you just heart. say
2: something there? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause on that note and welcome in <laughs> Pastor Marcia here. Um, I see Pastor Howie. You want to join us too, or do you want to come in and us? join us? Come on in. Yeah, come on in here. I'm I'm interested to hear your insights on today's message. Come on in. Okay, we can scoot. get you all in. Yeah,
3: we can okay. all fit. Oh. There we go. I know,
2: Pastor Marcia, you're I'm the so guest. I, I I took That's a little okay. bit of leisure, invited in, but I'm interested to hear your insights. <laughs> That's good. And I, and as I was saying to Pastor Karen just before uh, you guys come on here, I watched people all taking notes. Which means a lot of people were drawing things out of it. And I'm going to guarantee we all didn't draw the exact same message, right? <laughs> no, so no. I think the Holy Spirit was really speaking today to us. I'm interested to hear what he said to you guys.
4: Well, actually, what stood out to me was royalty. You know, when yeah. you talk about royalty, and I believe the scripture was um, 1 Peter 2.9, when it says... Um, Look at the camera. Uh, I had let me a royal priesthood, yes. a chosen generation, yes, chosen. a holy nation. Mm-hmm. You know, and God calls us to be holy, and that what amen. stood out to me. You know, we're king's kids, so it yeah. calls us to be different.
2: Oh, do it we think like that? It calls us to be right?
4: separated. We're yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then there was a song that says, um, "My daughter used to sing when she was little. I'm a king's kid, and there's oh, no amen. position higher <laughs> than for me to be." A child of the king. Wow, Amen. I'm a king's kid. And wow.
5: he had another song. Well, well do I call? don't have a song, but what I want to say is this. Since you asked me to come. I did. I asked. Amen. I invited this. You imposed upon my generosity.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: my mother.
2: I'm royalty, brother, so I knew I could invite you in.
5: You're right. Well, I'll say this. My mother may not be a queen, but my father's king of everything. That makes you a prince. That's, I've been adopted in Ooh, the
2: family. Amen. Yeah. So that makes me royalty. Yes. I'm going to call you Prince Howie from now on. <laughs> that is so good. And yeah. so many times as we go through life and the ups and downs and the trials that get thrown against us. And, you know, here's the other thing is if you're not getting that, I have to ask you why not. You uh, but we don't want to talk like that sometimes as Christians. <laughs> but, you know, as, as we go through that, sometimes we lose sight that we are princes, we are uh, princesses, we are royalty, we are called to be overcomers. And sometimes we kind of lose sight that, you know, maybe it's not going the way we think it should be, right? And our our mindset, what Pastor Sherry said at the end there, when the devil comes in and plays in our mind, he's not really about our mind so much as he's after our hearts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thoughts will come in our mind, but the beliefs are in our hearts. And if we have that belief in our heart that we're royalty that we're kingships that we're overcomers we're going to hang on to that but if we don't know who we are in our heart we're going to struggle aren't we
4: amen that's what paul says i die daily yeah so it's a daily thing that we have to do to remain royalty that's right you know you got to die daily
2: that is so so true and you know even as i was just getting up this morning uh i never even mentioned this to you pastor karen but i had these thoughts of you know god's not really moving in your life anymore you're probably past your prime you probably really (laughs) don't have much to do today maybe you should just sleep in you know and and those are the things that will come across our mind and those are the things we got to die to and put to sleep or put to death rather not sleep and get up and do what god's called us to do each day isn't Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and i mean if anybody's not struggling with that give me your secret to that.
4: And I always that song comes to mind even though we don't see him. He's working. Yes. Even yes. if you don't feel it. Yes. He's working. working. Yes, yeah. you know. Pastor, so how you could sing that for us? Behalf.
2: Give us a yeah. few yeah. bars. So, yeah. So, yeah. I'm not my, my heart this morning. <laughs> 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 that is so good. You know. She's the one that sings, well, come on, give us a song, do. then. do are we don't sing. Okay. Well, <laughs> we say? we won't make you sing. We're not here to make anybody
4: I wouldn't trade a minute for all the joy it brings there is no position higher than for me to amen. be being a child of the king of the king loyalty that's the title
2: and, and you know there's just something <laughs> about beautiful. being a child amen to that um there's protection in being a child there's uh a, you know there's belonging in being a child uh there's 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 a a purpose that God has as a child of his and like it's so distorted in the world that we live in. Um, We're so used to, you know, looking at the bad points of the world Mm -hmm. and no matter what's going on, there's opportunity that God wants to move. And maybe, just maybe, instead of us feeling sorry for ourselves, we need to be an example when we're going through things that's right. and to be that light that God's called us to be. Because I, I really feel when we're struggling, I, I okay, let me rephrase that. When I'm struggling, we I find, struggle. and we all have <laughs> we those, all that's struggle. right. But when I'm struggling, I just kind of feel like I'm defective, that maybe mm-hmm. God's done with me, and maybe I'm not going to be what I think I'm going to be. Sometimes. But sometimes there's a battle in my heart between my heart and my head. Mm-hmm. And we gotta look past the head and believe what's in our heart.
5: That's correct. And lot of time we miss up we miss God sometime by eighteen inches. That's it. Yeah. Amen. Right. That from your brain to it's, your heart.
2: That's a long eighteen inches, <laughs> though. That's right.
5: But if we can get past that eighteen inches, we got it made. We Amen. It made. And I, I feel like moral. Well, someday I'm like you. I wake up, I don't feel like it. But other days I wake up. But we don't go by our feelings, really. That's do we? right. We have to go by faith. Yeah. So.
3: Isn't it powerful, too, though, to see one another as royalty? Mm-hmm. To see one another as God? That's I'm right.
2: looking at a, a first-class couple here. King, there. Yes. Uh, that's uh, right. I think they're the king and queen some <laughs> days. Right. You know when I look at? I see there king and queen. Amen. Sometimes
5: you don't know Amen. who you're standing next to. That's right. And it's royalty. That's right. And when we call
4: ourselves royalty, we have to show ourselves different, too. And the scripture says, they will know we are christians by amen what? By, our, by our love so we love. have to let our light shine we can't just take on the title and act any kind of way and i can see though his
3: presence in your life
4: you can <laughs> see amen. the
3: glow can't you amen, amen. See the glow. i'm telling
2: you i'm with the king say. and queen here today oh. uh, yeah, there you, go. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and that brings such uh that just hits my my mind there just touched on another thought is sometimes we look at the royals as this heir and Mm -hmm, this pompous mm -hmm. attitude that I'm here to be served. But the truth is, as royals, we're here to serve. Right. That's Jesus came as a servant. He came as somebody that was out with relations with Mm -hmm, people. mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look at royalty, define it really in simple terms. God is royalty, but he's relational.
4: Right. Right?
2: Just like we're having this conversation Mm -hmm. today and we're kind of, Uh, building each other up and just kind of (laughs) laughing and having some fun here. That's what God is about.
4: That's right. You know, and
2: sometimes we just want to go and run and hide. And, you know, the greatest opportunity for evil and sin in our life is when we isolate. Mm -hmm. And we need to get out when we're feeling down. We need to get out and get around other good people. That's right. And not evil people, but good people that are going to help edify us, lift us up and encourage
3: us. Serving is fun, though, isn't it? Isn't serving fun? Isn't Amen. serving God fun? Amen. You
4: know, we learned that from Pastor Rick. Yes, You know, did. a lot of yes. times people that are in leadership love to be served. Yeah. But with Pastor Rick, his example was in order to be a good leader, you had to first be a Servant, yeah. amen. so that was really good. We learned to serve, amen. and that's where I'd amen. rather be. I'd rather be in the background serving yeah. people and doing than to be up front, to be honest, amen. <laughs>
2: amen. But you know, I'm just curious, Pastor Howie. Any thoughts on so that?
5: No, I'm done. I'm you know, I'm not supposed you to be here. You can't be done. You are here though. I'm, I'm just I'm listen, just...
2: you're a king, you're supposed to be here.
5: We need called to work on that a, mindset. He's
3: called and appointed, you're and called and an
5: appointed, anointed. yeah. Galatians 2 20 says I've been crucified with Christ amen nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live by the faith I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave his life for me and that's it I realize that now for the longest so, time I didn't, but I do know.
2: That's an interesting uh, chapter, Galatians 2, because uh, doesn't, doesn't Paul talk about the struggle about trying to do it by works? And, mm-hmm. uh, don't I need to be circumcised? And don't I need to do right. and follow the rules and, and follow the law? And, and yet you said, no, nope, by faith,
4: by, right. by grace,
5: by grace right. I'm saved.
2: Amen. Isn't the that interesting? That I
5: live now in the spirit. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, oh, that's I a good like time that. to leave. I, you know, what else can you say I mean, other than come that?
4: Come on. <laughs> that's a good is, preaching. Right? Well, thanks for the invitation. Any Man. other
2: conclusion, concluding thoughts before we wrap up?
4: Nope. Anybody can be king's kids. That's right. Aww. All yes. you have to do is be adopted into the royal family by giving your heart to, to Christ, and you can be you. royalty too. Yes, oh, amen. 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 It's amen. that easy. That Good is, word.
2: boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot of nuggets here today. I'm going to go back and <laughs> watch this. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm going to go watch Pastor Holly because he's a king. But uh, in all seriousness, we just thank you for joining us. Uh, royalty is a mindset. Uh, we have it as we are adopted into it. And it's not about being served. It's about serving, serving others.
4: You know.
2: But also understanding that there's going to be times, there's going to be struggles and we just need to hold on to who we are in our hearts, no matter what our head's telling right. us. And, uh, you know, if you if you stand on the Word of God and you get it in your heart, your head won't have the last say. There
4: you go. Amen? <laughs> That's Amen. Good. Amen. All right, well, Amen. thanks for joining
2: us. We're wrapping this up today. Uh, hope you join us next week. We'll be back here, same time, same place, same channel. Amen. You guys, it's been an honor, and it's just it's been, been a, a pleasure with Amen. you on the show
4: today. So I'm Pastor Amen. Brian.
3: Pastor Karen. Marsha. Howie.
2: And we're seeing so long (laughs) for After 9 today.
4: Amen.